Buddy Boys in a Garage. Yeah. Activate microphone. There we go. Come All on. right. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. Today's episode's brought to you by Audible for the link Audible Trial forward slash audibletrial.com forward slash March. Yeah. Always going to rep the Martian. It's a great book. There's plenty others. It's just my all time favorite. I, we were just talking Matt Damon in Mars. On Mars in a book is how I'd describe it. And it's a great way to go. So check it out. Thanks, Audible. And we bring you the March and Mitchell. Alex, take it away. Hey, we're right back at it again. It's a beautiful sunny day in Kaiser Salem. There's lots of sunshine in the air. There's lots of breeze going, a bit warm. And despite, you know, what most people would call a short time of year where summer blossoms in Marion County, we have a full bloom of excitement here at the podcast. So get ready. Hold on to the edge of your seat. We're going to get into some crazy stuff today. We're going to talk about Trophy Eyes frontman and lead singer John Floriani. We're going to talk more about Mars, the red planet, and some of the very cool uh, happenings regarding uh, the land of the Martians, whether it be in culture, uh, popular sciences, or even space travel. We're going to talk to you about a grip it and flip it nostalgia trip where we talk about one of our favorite cartoons between all three of us, having seen it many, many years ago, having seen it about maybe in college. And just recently, we're going to talk about Avatar, The Last Airbender. The popular show uh, originally released and introduced by the wonderful, critically acclaimed uh, television broadcasting system known as Nickelodeon, also famously known Fine for... Fine Network. Yeah, Fine Network, top quality. Uh, they've brought you programs like Drake and Josh and the uh, once-so-not-so-known low-key indie pop rock punk sensation recently outed as a homosexual, which we proudly support, but didn't feel was necessary, SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, yeah, that was a good thing. Really not necessary. I don't think that, you know, he's a sponge. So, like, I always assumed it was not a, a non-thing. Yes, all sponges are asexual. We love you, SpongeBay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of him or them or it. SpongeBob's dope. That's all I'm going to say. Go, SpongeBob. Go, SpongeBob. You got SquarePants. It's your birthday. You got friends. Yeah, Playboy, take that tie off and party like it's your birthday, SpongeBob. Yeah. Going right into it this week, we have our artist of the week is going to be John Floriani. Most of you know him as the frontman for Trophy Eyes, Australian pop punk sensation. Trophy Eyes has gotten their start in Australia. Many uh, of their fans claim them, uh, their main claim to fame is pretty much being like the Australian Blink-182. They literally have so many smash hits in Australia. We're able to branch into uh, America as part of what I like to call the sad boy pop punk mo- movement or the renaissance pop punk movement that started in 2010, 2011. They mm. would go on to tour with bands like Seaway, Microwave, and many, many more. Um John Floriani is from a small town uh, near Sydney, Australia, where he grew up in a rural environment where there was not a lot of, you know, freshwater swimming or ocean swimming. So a lot of townsfolk, they didn't learn how to swim until a later age. John had went to a pool party and uh, jumped into the wrong end of the swimming pool. And a a passerby noticed that he was flailing his arms around and started laughing and thought that John was actually drowning uh, not drowning, but just being a goofy. When in fact he actually was drowning, and that and that uh, that local hero would save his life that day. Uh, many many years later, the same person who saved John Floriani's life would take his own life after a bad breakup, and which inspired the song, uh, which inspired the song Chlorine, which uh, just started uh, the, the career of Trophy Eyes. Chlorine is the lead single on the album uh, Chemical Miracle, which is one of my favorite punk records of recent memory. Uh, coming at you now in the year 2019 and 2020 is the uh, album Sin, a solo record by John Floriani. John Floriani talks about different topics like sibling rivalry, uh, drug abuse, hardcore partying, uh, being awake for days at a time, and having everyone in Sydney, Australia know his name. Here's Oh Brother by John Floriani, or as I like to call him, Joe Flo. This is a good one. I yeah. like this one. Oh, 
back. Oh, wow, look at that. It's even playing. I wonder. That'll sound weird. It's a killer track. <laughs> it really. <laughs> it's got the blue. Oh, because the JBL's on. <laughs> oh, we. Now, yeah, now we're live. And it's like, all right, roll the music. We're going in. We're going to fade in, fade in. Okay, let's go. Hey, oh, we're freaking knee deep in it. You know, it'd be like that sometimes. Going from the whole, you know, punk rock and uh, post hardcore community to writing what is mostly a pop record. John Floriani's music really has been bumping for me, particularly this song, Oh Brother, which we just played for you. This track opens his album, Sin. It is his solo album, which is roughly a year old this week. I take a friend out for Father's Day. I was chilling at my house, just kind of, you know, dicking around on guitar and having a chill day. And I asked him, like, like, hey, dude, make sure you call your dad for Father's Day. And he's like, my dad's dead. I'm like, oh, yo, Ooh, Ooh. shit. Oh, uh, I guess my dad's not dead. But I was, hey. like, I was like, oh, I feel that. I feel that. No, he just I'm not, like, he's well, just not here. Hey, bro, want to go to want to go to In-N-Out Burger? So I take his ass to In-N-Out Burger because I feel like a dick. <laughs> Alex, yeah, Alex is the surrogate dad now. <laughs> I've adopted. And um, put your arm around his neck. You grab his neck and kind of put apply the pressure and just like, it's OK, champ. I got you. Let's go. <laughs> Dinner's on of, me. I'm thinking of that meme of uh look at me i am the captain now but alex just like every time he encounters a young man who needs guidance he's just like look at me i am the father now i am the captain now yes literally so i just i i scoop his ass off like come on let's go get an app burger and like guitar center guitar center was next door you buy to, ice cream kid you know and like you know we're so we're just you know and like not even talking about it too much like let's just have our own you know we'll just, we'll just have like a bro day so we just i take him to in and out burger on the way we're listening to uh this album because this album's been just bump into my stereo a lot. All the tracks are good from whether it's just, you know, like more somber acoustic, uh, somber acoustic confessional to straight up, you know, late night party bangers. This whole album's got different stuff. And I play this song and in the in the car ride over, he's he start, you know, kind of being like, yo, I kind of fucks with this. I'm like, cool, you know, I'm like, I'm just keeping it chill. And he's like, yeah, that shit's hella relatable. And like I thought he was gonna say, like, you know, I didn't I didn't know what his response was gonna be. I'm like, I, I like this song because, you know, most people, you, you, when you relate to a song, you, you think of yourself as the protagonist. You're, you're relating to the writer, and every time the writer usually is the protagonist. But like for me to listen to the song, it's like, holy shit, I love a song, and I'm the antagonist of the fucking song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, like, it's so interesting when you feel like actually <laughs> called out by a song. Seriously. You know, and like we all have our qualms with siblings, whether it be, you know, experience, past stuff, or just, you know, being who you are at one time in your life when you wish you could go back and be a different way. And he was like, yeah, my brother was definitely the ship brother. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I am the ship brother in this song. So, <laughs> so we had a good laugh and a back and forth. And, you know, I got him to try in and out burger for the first time. I actually enjoyed it. It gave it a solid 8.5 out of 10, mm-hmm. which I was pretty impressed by. Yeah. Did, did you do the, I mean, I, I've heard, uh, a lot of people say that, like, it, you know, you have to do animal style, right? Yes, if especially got, on the fries. It's not real in and out unless you go for the animal style. Otherwise, it's just a burger. Literally. So he's very picky. Luckily, I know the menu, like the back of my hand. <laughs> what the fuck is that? No, <laughs> <laughs> so I, he's like, no, I don't like the, the veggies and shit. So I actually gave him a four by four. For, so for those of us who aren't from the Southwest, a four by four is four patties, four cheese. What the fuck? Yes. Dude? That's so much food. And that dude pounded it. And we just had a good talk about, you know, brother, <laughs> brotherhood, family, siblings and stuff. And we turned, you know, a kind of a shitty dad day into a good dad day. And it was a lot of fun, actually. Went back home awesome. and wow. we, we played guitar. I could have used an Alex. <laughs> Bummer, dude. It's all Gucci, man. We're here for each other. For the, for the power of family, respect and friendship, bring out all the best in your brothers, your sisters and everyone you know. All of them together, we are strong and we can be friends and we can make it fruit. Thank you guys so much for checking out our artist of the week, John Floriani from Trophy Eyes. And please check out the tracks, Chlorine, Sydney, and Yo. Friday Forever. Friday Forever. <laughs> Friday Forever is a banger. Middle please. fingers up, Friday Forever. Please check out Friday Forever. That song is a pop banger for when you want to be in the best of moods. Next up on the podcast, we're going to talk to you about space. We're going to cast a spell on you, but not with witchcraft, but through the power of mysticism, <laughs> science, and facts. We're going to take you on. Ooh, I want a spacey transition into your segment. Ooh. Yeah, Twilight, some Twilight Zone shit. Any muse track. Any muse track. Yeah, give me a fucking muse soundtrack. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll figure that out. We'll do. Uh, somebody remind me uh, in post, and uh, and I'll and I'll find us a fun transition into Celine. Do you have a segment name? Like we like you're the most culturally relevant woke person. Like this is fact. Yeah, you bring all. You bring the actual content that is like relevant to the world, and then like I mostly just bring weird space stuff. Space and and politi- politics, politics. And the important things like the name of Elon Musk's child. Yeah, things that people care about. And we sit here and ramble about movies and and pop culture and, you know, anything that's, like, relevant to us. Like, we live, like Alex said, we live in a cartoon. We live in boxes. Literally. literally. Yeah, we we create our own worlds and we shun the rest of it. And then you bring this light that invites everybody in. So it's, like, a relevant thing. So I feel like we should really amplify the transition into your your segment as as it is. I learn new stuff every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. It's like an, well, episode, hey, and what it's an episode of Full House. Like, we walk away with a lesson being like, wow, we really shouldn't treat our brothers that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I think we, we, need to, we need to amp up the production value on your segment. We should pay you more, too, as well. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Game on. Every Game week. on. It's a big cornerstone. It's a big, corner, it's a big cor- cornerstone in our, in our Triforce of you know just content and fun, and this week I believe we're going to talk about uh, Mars in particular. It is mm-hmm. the Red Planet. Talking a little bit about um, this is where you probably take it away. Take so we're it gonna, away. I'll, I'll we're take gonna, it away. I'll we're going to take it away. Take me away. Wait, that's take not away. there. Yeah, there it is. Take me away. Um, so uh, yeah, so it, continuing on my my theme of space. Uh, So one thing that's really cool is that NASA has had in the works for there to be a new Martian uh, rover. Um, And they've always anticipated it being, you know, landing sometime in February or March of 2021. They finally actually set the the date. Wait, you're saying, wait, hold on. Back up. A little more details on this because I'm confused. You're talking about Mars, space, Martians, and who? NASA. NASA? I thought that this isn't Musk. No, this isn't the. Pro- well, this- he's he's certainly going to be involved, especially because Elon Musk has a a very uh, lofty goal of getting yeah. large amounts of people to Mars. But this is NASA in the foreseeable future. But this is NASA, right? Really? Okay. Yeah. So, so NASA is trying to get okay. And they've. It's one of those things where it's like. If we were to just be like, oh, no, NASA, you can't do this, they would be like, okay, but we already spent like yeah. several billion dollars on this. This is awkward. So here's the So if the you want to see any, any return on investment whatsoever, yeah. then just go ahead and let us do this. I'm sure Steve Carell and the Space Force are thrilled. Right. <laughs> dude, 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 dude. Talk about it. Did you hear that uh, uh, the U.S. government actually can't call it Space Force anymore because they is didn't that official? File, yeah, they didn't they, file for a copyright, but oh, Netflix shit. obviously did. <laughs> Netflix is like, we ain't playing around. We've been doing this for, we know what we're doing. And then <laughs> we're professionals. Yeah. That's the kind of reflects poorly on NASA. They're just like, Oh, copyright. Oh, well, but it, see, here's the thing is space force is going to be a branch of the military. Oh. So it's really not on NASA at all. Okay. But NASA is completely who's, separate. Who's this claiming space force then? Who's throwing Trump. up space force gang signs? Trump. Trump was like, we need a space force. Like the astronauts walk. And apparently like, everybody who listens to him was like, you're, you know what? That's that's a, the most reasonable thing you've said all week. Yeah, Fine, clearly. We'll do a fucking space force. They're out there like like flashing like S's on a launch pad being like, space force, space force. Like, I assume that their official official like insignia is going to be that weird S that we all drew back in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyone who thinks that has more than two dimensions is wrong. What? God, I, see, there's that there's that vacuum of self-holing live where we are. Anyway, so continue. This is a, a weird digression. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go back to space. But I digress. Space um, Force. Yeah, so, uh, so NASA finally announced the actual launch date for their new rover, which is called the Perseverance. And <laughs> I know. Hashtag 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but it right. launches in 27 days. Right in the fields. 27 days and like, I, I believe roughly uh, like eight, 27 days and eight hours. What's the date today? Today. 21st we, we start day. the day off one in of the, the intro. days in June. June what? I'm pretty sure it's the 21st. <laughs> Quarantine got us fucked up. Yo. It's actually, it's the 22nd. I only know that because my dad's birthday was on the 20th. Ooh, shout out. Happy birthday, dad. Dang yeah. It. Happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday. I have a dad now. Oh, wow. The first dad I've had in years. They're just dads breaking hearts. I'm sure he's going to be offended if you listen to this. Like, don't call me dad, son. (laughs) (laughs) I'm distracting you. I'm sorry. Uh, So, (laughs) 
if you go to the NASA website actually right now, you can actually see the launch countdown. Like they've got a like yeah yeah yeah, know, yeah T minus twenty seven days eight hours. Dude, I'm hyped. I'm so yeah. hyped for this. I'm I'm stoked. And you can actually so when it rolls around on July twentieth is the actual launch date. July twenty on 20, July twentieth you can actually. <sighs> 7-2020. And uh, you can watch the launch yeah. uh, out of uh, uh, Cape Canaveral, Florida, at the launch pad there. But you can actually Ooh. watch the launch when it goes. Okay. Which nice. is neat. But one thing I thought was kind of interesting is it's going to take... So we're going to launch on July 20th. Mm, okay. It's not set to arrive on Mars until around February 18th. Now, we've already done this, though. We've already... And when I was in middle school, we sent a rover mm-hmm. to Mars. That was the... What was it? The Lunar Lander? The Curiosity, probably. Yeah, there what had a now. fancy name. It yeah. wouldn't be the Lunar Lander, because that would be... <laughs> the moon, I know. I'll say. Nobody, nobody's fact-checking me here. We're not that big. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we said... I remember that. That was a huge deal. We watched that in class. Like, we're launching to mars it'll be there in 10 years 10 years right. later we're here literally yeah and we then, did it. yeah guess what it got there it which rolled. makes me really it just i have so much respect for uh for space scientists ast- astrophysicists they must be patient I, I have a lot of respect for the space boys space boys. Um, space boys because so much of what they do they're never even gonna see what what pans out like there are telescopes that they've sent out and cameras that they've sent out well that, it died when they, once it got there it died like relatively short it was, well, the the Mar- it was the Mars rover, 20 Mars rover, right? That's what it was? Yeah, I mean, there, there's lots of Mars rovers. Like, oh, this that wasn't the name? Rover. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So like sp- space. I mean, the Curiosity saying itself happy birthday every year for several years. <laughs> the most depressing like, they progr- thing. I know. Uh, and then there was that whole like super weirdly sad thing where it sent uh, <laughs> that message back to NASA that was like, it's cold outside and getting dark. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Oh, man. That. And we all felt so bad for this robot. Um, oh, I can't wait till we get to AI on the show. I'm so oh, ready to talk about that'll AI. that'll be a good one. Yeah. Um, but so the goal of this one, so there have been similar rovers in the past. The goal of this one is, you know, it's it's similar, but it's an evolution of the right. goals of, uh, of previous rovers. That's cool. Yeah. No, it's, it's basically taking where we've been and launching off of... Yeah, this was BM before Musk with the original. Now they've got Musk involved. There's there's a total there's a whole new world. It's a whole new world. Cue, yeah. Oh, cue, seriously. Yeah, a cue the Aladdin music. But so the <laughs> So the goal here is uh, there's a couple goals. Uh, one of the first ones is basically to test and demonstrate new technology. So one thing that's coming on this uh, the the Perseverance rover is going to be a helicopter. They they just are like <laughs> magneting to the belly of the rover. And Ooh. so the helicopter is basically designed for up to five flights, so it's not going to be used extensively. It's a Decepticon. <laughs> Once it gets there, it's just going to like morph and fly right? and then eventually just collapse after five uses. Yeah, basically. That's, that's fucking dope. Well, part of the issue is they don't have, you know, they're working on figuring out how to sustain energy. Like, obviously, the rover has solar panels, but it's a little bit, from what I was reading, more difficult to power a helicopter. Right, right. And we also don't know a lot about what the Martian atmosphere is going to do to the helicopter because it's so different from Earth's. I feel like they 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 know quite a bit about it at this point, right? Like it's hot, it's dry, it's windy, it's very unfriendly. Look, I don't I don't know. I, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I just repeat what the scientists told yeah. me over the internet. I don't I don't know what they're guessing but, at. It's gonna basically try to kill anything that lands on it as soon as it gets there. Like just prepare for the worst. Yeah, but it's also interesting because Mars has way less gravity than Earth. Sure. So right. helicopter might do better. But anyway, so there's that, which is cool. <laughs> Um, and it's going to basically help the rover scout new places to yeah. go collect evidence and, uh, you know, send video feeds back to NASA. Um, so that's fun. And then there's also one thing that I th- thought was really neat is there's going to be an oxygen generator. So there's theories about how to pull the minuscule amounts of oxygen in Mars's atmosphere. Mm. There's theories about how to pull that oxygen out and combine it with other CO2, which Whoa. is what most of Mars' atmosphere is. Truly. Combine it with the CO2, process the CO2, and create more oxygen. So that's fun. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. I could go for some oxygen. Yeah. I could go. You know, it's like one of my favorite things. I breathe it every day. On Mars, you'll just be ordering like a 16 ounce glass of oxygen. Could I get a? Could I get some uh, CO2 and then a side uh, 16 ounce uh, O2, please? Right. <laughs> uh, I'll take an H2O as well while you're at it. Uh, no ice. Thank you. Which is funny because Mars actually has a good bit of ice. 
Um, yeah, one thing I actually was reading. Thanks for getting is that. It's interesting. <laughs> I appreciate when you get all my really obscure jokes. <laughs> one thing I think I did think was really interesting when I was reading is um, actually a, a good bit of, of, uh, of oxygen actually exists already on Mars. Um, it's because so, we lived there originally. That's where we're from. Well, that's where I'm going with Whoa. this. But. Spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's interesting. So there may or may not be actual liquid water under the surface of Mars. Oh. Um, and it may contain oxygen because brine, so like salt water, mm-hmm. doesn't freeze the way that the actual mm-hmm. water does. It has a, a, a higher freezing point. And so some of this brine may actually have oxygen trapped in it. Interesting. Yeah. And by some projections, it's actually enough to support like global life organisms. Um, up to as complex ones as sponges, which doesn't seem that complex. But want you to know. Brought to you by. Never mind. Just, <laughs> just go stick your face in a bunch of brine on Mars. And you're yeah. free. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So the other goal here is to collect samples, which is really neat because you know obviously it's going to be you know testing the soil, seeing what kind of um, you know what kind of stuff we might potentially be able to grow in the soil and things like that. But one thing that I thought was really cool is that Bill Nye has actually been pestering NASA for years <laughs> to bring him back some Mars rocks. Ooh. Because his thing is he has a very serious theory that life on Earth actually originated on Mars. That's what I was saying. Straight mm-hmm. from the science guy himself. That's what I said. Straight from the science oh. guy. Yeah, Bill Nye, the propaganda guy, yo. He's not even a real scientist. Like his, he's a TV actor, he's an engineer for Boeing. That's yeah. that's pretty sciencey. Yeah. That's more science than I know. Wait, he actually wait. So he's not a real scientist. <laughs> he's a re- he's an engineer. Uh, yeah, for like the worst, one of the most corrupt companies. He has credentials well, then. Yeah, okay, so but he's oh okay. He's a scientist <laughs> for hire, and I love Bill. Nye. I don't. Even I was care today. I just want to make it clear. He is a scientist for hire. Whoever's writing his paychecks is the view he's gonna. I was today years old when I found this out. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. Bill. Nye, that's why they call him Bill Nye the Propaganda Guy. It's a joke, but like you know, he he pushes whoever <laughs> sure. pays him. You know, whatever's whatever. Well, at least popular. it seems like good people are paying him lately. Look at T-Mobile. Like he was on a T-Mobile commercial for five. Oh yeah, years. I forgot. That. Yeah. Although he did explain it extremely well in a in a very friendly. I don't know if that's how actually five G works, but. Like, like the commercial was like 5G's friendly. Here you go, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, cool. I'm cool. 5G. Wait, now. I thought it was giving us all coronavirus. Yeah, let's not go there because, <laughs> dude, I've had so many people on my calls uh, in into work where they're just like, uh, just like freak. Not, not not so many, but anyways, I digress. Let's let's focus on your topic focus in, here. Focus in. But yeah, so we actually talked about that theory of life on Earth originating on other other planets, or other places uh, previously with the theory of panspermia. And so Bill Bill Nye basically has a very Sperm. serious theory. Theory. <laughs> Hi, I'm five. I'm five years old. It's okay, me too, bro. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so he has a, a theory that Mars basically jizzed on Earth, and that's how humans. Yes, <laughs> I I support that. Like, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of photographs out there that really. Uh, if you like go on NASA's website and, uh, check out, check out the, the photographs they have, um, there's a lot of interesting, uh, clips out there of their, of the, um, the atmosphere and you can see the canals like they, like you would like a, like a satellite picture from earth. Like mm-hmm. you can see the exact same, like veins that you would see on the surface of Mars. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, it's, it, there's so much there, like deep canals, like Grand Canyon sized canals. Um, like on the surface of the planet that look like, you know, veins or, or anything that you'd see on the surface of Earth. Like a puzzle piece? No, it's, well, it's, you know, you know what I mean? Like it looks like a vein, like, oh, like veins. Oh. Like if you, if you zoom out and you see the Amazon, it looks like, you know, there's that one big line and then all the offshoots. Interesting. Yeah, you can see that on Mars too. Mm-hmm. It's just like, they're just dried canals. Oh. Mars looks a lot like Earth, Which, just completely dehydrated. The only way that you could have that would be having some form of liquid on Mars, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that indicates that they're either A, is water underground or some form of liquid that moves? It could be like. Um, well, we know for a fact that there has been yeah. water on Mars. Yeah, it could be like. Uh, so there so is currently water on Mars. It's it's in the it's erosion in the weathering. Yeah, just, it's, it's ice. Stole most of it away. Yeah, it's ice, and apparently it's it's brine trapped under the surface. Yeah. There's like oh. massive under underground lakes and oceans. There's a planet out there, and I think it's it might be serious, but it's like it's in the same constellation, I think. But it, like it has liquid. Uh, it's like nitrogen running through like water. Uh, Weird. Yeah. Let's see. 
Let me give me give me two seconds, but continue. Yeah. But yeah, no, it it first of all, I just think it's really cool that we're still planning missions like this. Um actually one thing I saw is that NASA is planning a a new trip to the moon oh. by twenty twenty four. All right. Finally, we're going to send women to the moon. NASA has like committed. Yo. We are definitely sending at least one woman to the moon. Cool. Which is fun. But yeah, it, it you know, it, it, I think it's great that we're learning more about our, our universe and our solar system. But I also I'm just so fascinated by the fact that we're going to be testing out things like uh, like oxygen production. We're potentially, you know, we're testing things that in the next couple hundred years could help us successfully have established human colonies on Mars. Whoa, dude. Hey, this is really, really tight. With these efforts in place, and you think within good time that rents on Mars will actually be more affordable than Portland? Right, yeah. <laughs> Yo, no, like- and there's like, uh, one thing that I hope that this this mission does is I really hope that the the helicopter helps the rover kind of identify caves and explore caves. Because, Whoa, okay. like I mentioned, a lot of this brine cool. that, that contains oxygen and water, obviously, is below the surface. I feel like we don't see a lot of photos from the inside parts. It's mostly right. just, yeah, yeah. and that would be really cool. And one thing I was reading is that if we ever do colonize Mars, like, sure, we could put a lot of resources and effort and time into building above-ground structures where everybody's going to be subject to radiation due to the thin atmosphere. It was Titan. Or, yeah, that makes sense. Titan, Titan has liquid uh, nitrogen on it, it looks like. Yes. Anyways, cool. one of the moons of Mars. Jupiter. Oh. Jupiter. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh. Anyways, continue. But yeah, so it's uh, one thing that, you know, articles that I was reading were saying is, you know, yeah, we could put a lot of effort into constructing above ground habitations. Yeah, one, one, one interesting in, adaptation on Mars? I saw is, yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody had a concept for like basically igloos. But, but why though? I'm having a hard time understanding. What's up? Well, so if we want to colonize Mars. Okay. Which a lot of us do. A lot of a yeah. lot of people are interested in that. Then obviously we need places to stay. And first of all, there's no ready oxygen on Mars. Like so, on Earth, oxygen levels typically are around 21 percent in the atmosphere. Oh, so like, okay. That was 21 percent oxygen. Okay, got it. On Mars, it's like. 0.415%, like it's a ridiculously low oxygen level. So we need a place where we can store oxygen and have it be inside, okay. not just float away into the atmosphere. AKA a biodome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But the oh, other issue with Mars okay. is that because the atmosphere is so thin, there's a lot of radiation. That, that's where I was getting at. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, so basically, so, you know, when, you know, Mitchell and I are both sporting sunburns today radiation. because we had our arms hanging out the window in the car, uh, Imagine that, but with no protection. So, oh. like, you know, when you see pictures of Earth from outer, from outer space, Ow, we've got this the, like that's fancy that ozone little cloud that we layer. We talk about the ozone protects us, so yeah. we would all look like Jersey Shore, pretty much. Exactly. Okay. Well, and I mean, on <laughs> the only dead. The, so, <laughs> and dead. So check this out: the conspiracy side of this, right? Okay. So, so like, if there were, if we lived on a planet with no ozone and we were completely fried to a crisp, what would we be? Right? We would probably be either a black or gray. Right? Whoa. Grays. Grays are the alien species. Ooh, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. I'm officially scared. Okay. Yeah, right. So you basically fried to a crisp where you have no melatonin anymore. And yeah. so you're, you're left. Melanin, look, but yeah. Melanin. Yeah, thank you. Not melatonin, the thing that makes you yeah. sleep. I hope we can still sleep on Mars. Yeah, no, but yeah, yeah. Like, right? Like, if, yeah. uh, if those guys are time travelers and, they're, and they live on Mars again, like, that would just be like, they would just be fried to a crisp. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that makes any difference is that those guys, grays are supposed to be short. Um, if we lived on Mars, we'd actually be way taller, which would, if you go back to ancient Egypt and talk to, and there's so many theories about people being giants back then. And there's like all this, like, you I've know, heard, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of conspiracy stuff, but Ooh. like the pictures of them, like carrying giant blocks, there's people who are like regular size in comparison to people who are giant size. Whoa. Like, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's it, there's, there's this weird, I've reason. seen some of that actually. Yeah. yeah. I was just, I saw a couple of, uh, things online the other day where they're just like, look, here's a, here's a normal size person and then there's a person who's like you know 12 feet tall and if we came from mars that would make sense i mean again i don't know the math behind how long it would take you to live on mars and grow that tall but you know Mm -hmm. planets with less less gravity would mean that we would be bigger just because gravity is why we are the height that we are Mm -hmm. that is very cool so that backs up bill nye's theory yeah and that's and that, very interesting. Although keep in mind, if we if there had been societies like full blown civilizations on Mars, <laughs> yeah, then they 
probably would have left some trace. And so far, we haven't ha found any type of evidence of a civilization. Um, Although, again, it could be under the surface because... I like these parallels between Mars and Egypt. Also, while we're on the topic, next nostalgia trip we do needs to be The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Deal. Done and <laughs> yes. done. Yes, done and done. And then when Brendan Fraser actually appears on screen, we can be, wait, no, that's the daddy. Yeah. <laughs> but on that note, that's about our halfway point. We're gonna, we do want to remind you guys halfway through the show, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll come back. We'll finish up Celine's segment. Uh, the show is brought to you by Audible. Please follow the link, audibletrial.com forward slash March. If you want to support the show, we uh, we appreciate any contribution to the show that allows us to keep running. Uh, this week, I think pushing the Martian would be super appropriate considering it is like literally one of my so favorite audible discussion like, it, and it, a great audio book yeah I'm the narrator a, of that is just really can, really good can i talk no can i <laughs> <laughs> we just did your segment let me have this this is my no anyway seriously i'm teasing i'm i'm I anyway i love you too i love you too alex thanks babe <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be back after this audibletrial.com forward slash smart check it out brb it out. woo Rising from the depths of the Willamette River, the March and Mitch Show, featuring Celine Santa's Pond, is back at it to continue more with our show this week in the middle of June. It's warm out, and just as it is warm here on Earth, it is. It's also pretty spicy up in Mars, from what it sounds mm -hmm. like. I don't. I don't want to have my uh, my skin torched off either, and I would like to breathe some air. So, can you breathe one last breath of knowledge into us as we come into our closing thoughts on how do you feel about this whole topic uh, with Mars and traveling? Well, obviously. I keep picking space topics. I'm I'm such a, a nerd for space. Uh, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I like had so many books about space. So obviously That's I'm cool. stoked at, at awesome. the fact that we're doing, we're continuing to do exploration because for a long time, NASA's budget was being slashed pretty aggressively and it still is, but I'm, oh, okay. I'm so happy that we're still able to, to see this type of research. Mm. Um, and whenever Elon Musk starts building condos or whatever in the caves of Mars, uh, sign me up. I'm interested. Ditto. Sign me up. As long as that we find a, as long as they make a man-made lake for me to swim in, I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there might even be a, a non-man-made lake. <gasps> you could go for a nice ass float down some uh, subterranean rivers. Sign me up. Yeah. Sign me up. Okay. As long as the, the eight-legged Zarlacc monster doesn't kill me during my, my float, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> good deal, good deal. Yeah. It's always a fun No way. risk, no reward. Yeah. Seriously, buy the ticket, take the ride, Chewski. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure learning more about uh, the future of space travel and how NASA and America and the rest of the world plan to tackle the uh, premise of traveling onto Mars, colonizing on Mars and seeing if we can, you know, terraform that sucker to be livable. Cause I would totally be down. I used to be called Alex Mars back in my stage days, back in Ooh. Vegas. Uh, you know, being a male stripper at 18 <laughs> was, was hard, but no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But you know, yes, being, being a performer, I was always, you know, Alex, Alex, Mars. Alex Mars for a long time. No, and then, you know, one no. of my tattoos <laughs> is done by a guy uh, named Mars man from that's freaking awesome. Is, he, uh, renamed himself so that his name, like last name, first name is man from Mars. Yo, that's a power play right there. That's a, wow. that's a, it's a, it's a move. That's, that's a flex. If I've heard of one, Alex, it's not, not a move. Are you, uh, related to any, by any chance, Veronica Mars? No, but Mick uh, Mars from Motley hmm. Crue. Yes. Yeah. Mick Mars from Motley Crue. That's where I get my guitar skills from. There was <laughs> I wish. I think that he's related to Veronica Mars. Yeah. <laughs> fun show. Fun oh, show. Such a good show. Just like our show. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. This is, uh, one of my favorite parts of my week slash weekend. Uh, there's nothing more fun than hanging out with your your team, your gang, the gang, yeah, your clique, you know, your goth boys, whatever it may be. It really is the funnest part yeah. of our week. It is such entertaining to be around the gang, have fun, and put out this podcast. So, like we mentioned earlier, if you can go down, go to audibletrial.com forward slash March. And check out some great audiobooks. My personal yeah. favorite would be Aragon by Christopher Pauline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there a story. Go. It's a story about how a young how a young man finds a dragon egg in the forest, 
and then decides to write his own screenplay where he rips off not only Star Wars, <laughs> but Lord of the Rings. Dude, have you seen the comparison of Harry Potter and Star Wars? Yes. Ah, <laughs> that blew my mind. I was like, well, J.K. Rowling, you thieving bastard, you. Oh, my gosh, right? But Seriously. Aside from that, uh, the next segment in which we delve into fun things and, and nostalgia, I do believe that we yep. are currently... Today, the day of June's, not Juneteenth, but it is, uh, we decided on Avatar, The Last Airbender, right? 2007, right? True. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that you said. Story. That's the thing. That's the, that. Julie, do the do thing. This is a big first. This is a big first on the March and Mitch show featuring Celine. Not only is this going to be our most recent year wise of nostalgia trips get ready to grip it flip it rip it let's nostalgia trip it to 2007 also a big first our first animated yeah show mm-hmm. and first tv show yeah yeah well you know at this point i think like it's a nostalgia trip so it really is yeah. though it's oh, been yeah. it's, it's, it's been a minute and it's 13 no it's it's trending number one on netflix i think it's super that's awesome yeah it's, that is so they cool. just re-released it in hd where i was sad to find out that hd does not mean 16 by 9 aspect ratio uh, but I'm still, I still respect the game. For those ha- of us who don't know anything about <laughs> tech or numbers, it's 16 by nine is just the is an HD aspect ratio. So on your TV, your HD TV that you bought off Amazon for four hundred dollars, it just means it fits the whole screen. As uh, to where you know that would be nice. Four you know. by three was the standard uh, prior 2007, which is like your t- your boob tube, as which one would call it. And, <laughs> oh yeah, before, good old CRT but, TVs. Yeah, yeah oh, before man. you had the flat screen, there was the boob tube uh, and tube TVs. Oh, generally, they had flat screens. Don't get me wrong, but the flat screen was a flat screen followed by a pregnant lady attached to the back. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> it was. They were so. Long. My mom has one of these these flat screen boob tubes. Oh yeah, and it's a flat screen but it weighs about 90 pounds and it's it's a four by three aspect ratio and and i love that tv but my you know what i thought i was a crazy child because when i would come home i could always hear the tv on and i don't know if there's an add slash adhd thing but i come home and if the tv was like on like because because like you had to turn the mm-hmm. tv on and then you had to switch the hdmi or channel settings and then get so the cable box yeah, going yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. so if the tv was on and like had that like dark gray screen but like nothing was playing i could always walk into the house and i'd hear that like weird like ah. oh to- that's totally a thing john mulaney has a bit that's kind of like that about how his his dad would come in and be like, were you doing homework? And he's like, yeah, totally. And the TV is like still like buzzing kind of green. Yeah. It has like a, oh, <laughs> yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah. So that that would always drive me crazy as a kid. So like I would always make sure the TV was off if I if I wasn't watching. Otherwise, like it would just drive me fucking nuts. So, oh, the joys of 2007. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so man, oh, man. The first time I think I ever saw Avatar was like one of my best friends growing up, Steve McVeigh. Uh, was basically my surrogate family. And, and he introduced me into this, I think, Avatar back in like 2000. And probably 12. And so he's like, Yeah, you gotta check out the show. And so like, I checked out the show and was immediately a fan. Went home and watched the entire series illegally yeah. off some pirate tube shit. So mm-hmm. uh, it, as as Netflix, and, and I purchased the uh, Legend of Korra and the regular seasons of Avatar on on just because it wasn't available anywhere just to watch it. And so I'm super hyped to see that uh, that Netflix was like, bring it back! And so they brought it back and... Uh, I that, think during quarantine a lot of people have been having a good fun nostalgia trip on, yeah. on Avatar. Yeah. So Badass. it makes sense to me that, Ava- that, is, that, that Netflix was like, you know what you, you, you know what y'all need? You need this in HD. Y'all, y'all need some Avatar. So yeah, they, uh, so I've watched it probably three times since Netflix has brought it back because, and they were skipping the intro, which I thought was hilarious. What? Yeah, they were skipping the intro. And so like, there's like this petition online where people are like, quit skipping the intro for Avatar. And now they don't. Now it plays. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like now it's like that weird, like this Nickelodeon dude skateboarding on this like weird graphic. Mm-hmm. And then the the intro doesn't skip anymore, so asking you shall receive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I've literally watched it I think three times since it's been back on Netflix. It's such a good show. Yeah, and so we're here to talk about it, bring back some nostalgia. And I've never seen it before. Now, Celine, it was today years old. Not 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 exactly, but recently just finished watching Avatar for the first time. Celine, what did you think of it? So good. It's it's one of those shows yes. that I had always kind of avoided because there's such a hype around it. And I'm one of those assholes that, like, if enough people like something, I'm like, well, it must suck, which is not how it works. But 
But yeah, no, great show. I think that the the characters are really brilliant. Like I I love seeing the the character arcs in that show and I love it being in HD because I think that I, one thing I thought the first time watching it was like some of these bending scenes are so beautifully done. They're so beautifully animated and I'm excited to see more of it in HD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very cool. It really is an iconoclast of his show from taking both Eastern and Western influence made by uh, two guys that we refer to as Brike. It's Brian and Mike. <laughs> they yeah. call him Brike. Yeah. <laughs> and they just were able to channel just all this really cool, fo- this world bending, or I like to call it world shaping, world bending, <laughs> however you want to word it. But let's look back on the day, Mitchell. What were the two biggest things back then? It was Harry Potter yep. and Lord of the Rings. Was the two biggest things yeah, back, back then. then? Right, right. So world world building—that's the word I was looking for. Was such a huge thing. So these two uh, artists and creators—they kind of brought it all together and created a show with great characters, a whole big world lore. Lore, yeah. L O R E, is the big word. This this show took lore and made it not only fun for kids and families, but just like I'm watching this as a grown man. I'm like, how did kids kids did not deserve this show? <laughs> this right? Show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Youth is wasted on the young. Seriously, everything from nationalism, capitalism, uh, just development, every every good mechanic of uh, learning who you are, self-discovery, mm-hmm. soul-searching, spiritualism, uh, being true to oneself, learning about being part of a team, learning about um, destiny, faith. There's so many good topics covered in this show. And I think a lot of that is going to mean different for different people um, Mitchell, my, one of my favorite parts of our show is, is when we do nostalgia trip, I get to hear like what your favorite takeaway is from each, you know, nostalgia trip, whether it's the matrix or a, sh- or a, a movie like grind where there's <laughs> nothing but skateboards and fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite takeaway from the show, Mitchell? Are you kidding me? Fucking Zuko has the greatest yes. redemption arc yeah. of any show ever. Yes. Better than Vegeta and Dragon Ball Z. Better than any show ever. Zuko's redemption arc is 100% the greatest yes. antagonist created ever. Changed my mind. Because you can't. Because it's so real. Yeah. Like I, one thing I loved, and I apologize, I cut you off, but I'm, I'm going to keep <laughs> on cutting you off. Um, one thing I loved is that Zuko's redemption arc isn't linear. Like, it's not like he has this one key moment where it's like, and now I'm a good guy. Great observation. It's mm-hmm. like there are times where he starts to be good and you start to believe him and love him. And then he, you know, is offered something that's too good to refuse and goes back to his his evil ways. That's so true. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I love that, that because it's that's how people do improve. That's that's how people be. Yeah, it's they, authentic. They it's authentic. That's how people yeah. grow is through conflict. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that's my, my biggest takeaway and, and, and having grown up with, you know, Dragon Ball Z and stuff and having the Vegeta. We were spoiled. We had the best cartoons. Bro, dude, we, the Veg- we had the best cartoons. The Dragon Ball Z Vegeta redemption arc is pretty fucking good. Like he went Saiyan from, Saga, yeah. yeah, dude, he went from like absolute, like willing to destroy the planet. To, he, he fucking blasted Nappa out. You know, he's like, ah, here's my cohort. Who's here to help me. The fuck you. Literally. Yeah, just obliterate, you know, the most evil villain that DBZ, Dragon Ball, so Dragon Ball's uh, arc, right, was uh, was all about, like, Goku's evolution, and then Dragon Ball Z. And a lot of kids our age didn't know that Dragon Ball existed. They thought DBZ was the first thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So so if if you incorporate Dragon Ball into the DBZ arc. I am today years old finding out that Dragon Ball was its own thing before Dragon Ball. Oh, when Goku yeah. was a little baby kid when he, he was a baby yeah, kid. The yeah, the whole baby. Yeah, he was, yeah, the whole Dragon Ball arc is so wholesome and PG minus the RPGs being, and rocket launchers being fired throughout the series. Yeah. Uh, but everything else about the show is pretty PG. Um, and, and so, yeah, like they have this like, and then the first season of Dragon Ball Z, which is like adult Goku and all the characters from the past of Dragon Ball, uh, you know, they have this character named Vegeta, who's a Saiyan, who's from another planet, which is, you find out Goku's also from another planet. And yep. it, yeah, yeah. And so, and so the whole first season is basically like finding his, his, the antagonist of the show being the most evil, badass dude on the planet where he's just like, he can destroy full planets. And, and he has this crazy redemption arc, right? But it's very, but like you said, it's very linear. He goes from being a bad guy mm-hmm. to being pretty quickly, not a, he, he goes to being a, a semi, a, a bad guy who's 
working with the good guys against a greater evil, and then he goes to full-on good guy later in the series. Mm-hmm. Zuko's arc is so much more in, intricate when it comes to the, the, like you said, because he goes from having the same moral compass as being like whatever best benefits him, and then he starts to question that. So there's that internal struggle through Avatar where you watch Zuko want to do good mm-hmm. but continues to choose bad and i think most people were you know really resonate with that because we've all wanted to do better and continue to make poor decisions yeah and eventually he does become a part of team avatar when he needs it most which i think makes it even more important because yeah when they need him most the i think the 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 icing on the cake is when he's like hey i'm ready to do good and then they reject him and i think we all resonate with that like wanting to be our best selves and he's ready to take that leap and and, and it shows. I you forgot about that. Yeah. Damn, you're right. And it shows ev- you what a good person Zuko is, is. That he's willing to have people say, "No, get the fuck out of here." Yeah, you're, to his face. Everyone so many judges times. him for his past instead of what he is now. And and I think and he accepts that. Well, kind. I mean, yeah, he accepts that and perseveres through it. But I think the the highlight of that that part of the show is like you know everyone slowly gains his trust through these individual adventures and stuff. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, Katara's the last person who has his own personal vendetta because she was the first person to accept him and he betrayed that. And so I think there's this Mm -hmm. really complicated layer of trusting someone who hurts you and then going back to that person and and I think that's like a really like it's almost like a and metaphor. On that, for that's a tough. Rela- I don't yeah. trust like that. Yeah, I don't it, trust it, like it's that. Like, yeah. It's like a relationship. <laughs> it's like a relationship metaphor. You know, like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, that sort of thing. And so I think that the writing for that really highlights the ability to you know go back to somebody who's wronged you before mm-hmm. and how hard it is to trust. That's that person. a really good point, and I didn't think of that. And I I know that everybody loves Zuko. <laughs> everybody loves Zuko's character arc, which they fucking also should, the voice of Hook, or, uh, the voice of uh, Ru- Rufio and Hook. So. Really? Really? Yeah. What? And he is emo, he is the emo prince daddy. The emo prince daddy. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, I was gonna emo bring that. Dude, he's so good. Anyways, yeah. Thank you. Shout out for being in Hook and shout out for being in Avatar. Bringing us some <laughs> of the greatest cult classics of this time. Celine. But no, I want to say I think that Katara's character arc is. Uh, I'm I'm only just now realizing. I think that Katara's character arc is also kind of uh, undersold. Like Zuko is a very lovable character once you you know once you get to know him. Do you have a favorite character moment? I mean, Iroh is by far the greatest character. Oh well, period. yeah, Iroh is if the we're best gonna, character. If we're gonna be rating characters, like yeah, Katara. But Iroh don't. doesn't have emotional development, whereas no, Katara. But, see, I think that Katara is interesting because of the vine. Well, it's a, <laughs> but he doesn't change. No, he doesn't, and that's that's He's static. That's a static character, yeah. But that the whole point of yeah, him is to be character. is to be Zuko's rock. So like he exactly. needs to be He's that the way. bedrock of of morality. But his his overall view is is like everyone views him as like the former mm-hmm. Fire Lord's general who tried to take Bossing saying So like he's this badass character in the Fire Nation, yeah. and everyone's perspective of him is he's this evil, nasty general. But he's the nicest, most wholesome, most like ethically woke character. Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. Like, yeah. So, like, I think that's even, even though he's a static character, he's by far even more complex than Zuko because you know he's the one guiding Zuko through this emotional development. Sure, and I agree, but Just I like, think that Katara has this emotional development that I think is really undersold and underappreciated because even though she, you know, she starts as the responsible, uh, you know. Uh, the mom of the group. Yeah, she's right. the mom, and she has ambitions. She's she's the ambitious mom. Right. And she kind of ends in that place as well. But over the course of it, she does learn to, you know, accept vulnerability. And, you know, there's that whole thing with her dad. Yeah. Where you kind of realize that even though she's been being strong for so long, there are still internal issues, and that's super real. Mm. And by the end of it, she goes through this whole thing with, with Zuko. And figuring out how to accept somebody who who betrayed you so deeply when you were vulnerable with them. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess I I still argue that it's not as strong as the other arcs, but like I agree. But like Katara does have a good arc. Yeah, the whole show has a good arc for sure. But I think the writing uh, toward Katara's Katara's character Katara's character was more secondhand than you know uh, Zuko or or Iroh's intention. Uh, I'm a big Fire Lord supporter, I guess, at this point. 
Um, I think Aang is probably the most static character because he's basically the whiny, the whiny uh, antagonist the entire fucking show. He's, You're not wrong. He's a five. He grows. He he's, grows. He's a five year old that grows to be a five year old with skill. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he, you know, it's it, interesting learning in Korra uh, that he was bit of a shit dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to expand the universe into fucking uh, the Legend of Korra, you find out that Aang's a POS that was just like who favored his airbending son. That's yeah, he's so like, oh, you can airbend? Good. You can come on vacations with yeah, me. Yeah, he's like, you're my airbending son. Let's go on vacation and fuck the rest of y'all. Oh, y'all kids can't even make powers? Yeah, fuck y'all. <laughs> even, even, the, even his waterbending oh. daughter is he just oh. like neglects her and, and just like, you can stay home with your mom. Goodbye. We're off in the, yeah. So. Yeah, like, oh, you can waterbend? Yeah. Like, literally only one other person in your tribe? Yeah. <laughs> Not nearly as cool, dog. Um, so, you know, so Avatar's got a lot of life lessons in there sprinkled in and a lot of character development. And I think right now, uh, I think we all can resonate with when the world needed him most, he vanished. And I think 2020 really em- emulates that. Like, we need our fucking Avatar. Right. And they're not here right now. And somebody needs to step up to the plate because we're we are in the midst of the Fire Nation taking over, and we just want somebody to save us. So, Siri, let's Seriously. just go to the poles, to the North and South Pole, and just start fucking bombing icebergs. Earth, water, fire, air. Anyways, yeah. boom. So we were talking earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. Thanks, guys. We were talking earlier, like like uh, what what bending would you do? And uh, we're we're going around the, the horn, I think. So uh, so Mitchell, so what? Celine and Mitchell, what did we agree on? What Mitchell's thing was? So so the question it, it varies between the question. If okay. you ask me, what, what would you or what would you? Yeah, want? what do I think my air sign, my air bending would be? And I think like as as a Libra air sign, I would clearly and and my personality too. Like like what would I just be born as? It'd be an airbender for I can, sure. I kind of vibe with yeah. that for Mitchell's persona. Yeah, straight mm-hmm. up. I'm, yeah. I'm super laid back. I'm super like you know a, a critical thinker. Uh, I don't like to involve myself in conflict. I'm not stubborn, but I have an opinion. Um, and, and I'm a very, you know, creative thinker and problem solver, which is all airbending. But then if you ask me, like, what would you want to bend back? Fucking Earth. I want to throw rocks at people. Which I'm very flattered by because I'm an Earth sign as a Virgo. So I, I thought it was very flattering that Mitchell would want to bend to Earth because that seems like, I don't know. I'll bend your earth, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you even worry about it. Oh, well, you're gonna, you're gonna rattle some foundations later. <laughs> gonna show you this. Let me show you my rock formations. <laughs> oh shit. Woo! Call me the the airbender because I'm gonna blow. Ooh. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to change. I hope rating. my dad isn't listening. I was gonna say to this we're anymore. gonna have to change the rating from this show from PG-13 to uh, NC-17. There's a category five happening in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> But, well, yeah. and it's interesting because I would be an earth bender based on the fact that I'm an earth sign. So I would want to bend air. Like but, that's, but like, in the, sh- in the shows, was like, what yeah. do you want to bend? I would say air. Yeah, so totally. in the show's lore, it really, is it really based off of uh, astro- astrological sign? Or, it's or not. Is this, it's it's not. based off okay. like tribalism. Just region. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's nationalism. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, okay. it's bloodline. It's, it's bloodlines. Like okay. This is, but this is if we're going off of like uh, Today, astrology. No, if we're, yeah, if we're born in today's world and we're going off astrology, like, you know, your, okay. your sign, Libra, whatever, uh, you're going to. Yeah. What are you again, Alex? So I'm, I, uh, are you a Leo? Um, no, I'm I'm Cancer uh, Gemini. Oh, okay, yeah, makes so, makes so sense that you're Cancer. I like my family's full of great swimmers, and I love water. I do like to go with the flow, but personally, I feel like I totally would have just been like a firebender because I'm brash, impulsive. Don't think don't think things over. Only think about myself. Ever incredibly selfish. Yeah, it's water. Don't think right. of the big picture. Only think about what's in front of me. <laughs> Can't see the forest I for the trees. I can see you as a waterbender. <laughs> <laughs> that <Yeah>. makes sense. <laughs> You you are kind of go with the flow and uh, yeah 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 I totally see that. Yeah. So we got water, Especially earth, the healing. And, like yeah. I can totally see Alex as a healer. Yes, sir. No, I'm gonna solve all your problems today. Just relax. Come on. Yeah, calm down. Let water daddy get you. Okay. Just just lay down. I'm gonna just let the water go through. Your voice alone is healing. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, we got and look at us. We got the whole tribe, dude. Re totally firebender. Just saying. She's a, she's a Pisces, so she would actually be a waterbender. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I could feel that. Strong. She would be like Katara ben- brand strong, waterbender. Strong brand. Yeah. How about it? Whatever. Word. I feel like Katara and Rian have similar personalities. Straight I can up. see it. Yeah. Strong. Smart. 
stubborn. Dude, Rian totally <laughs> bloodbend. Yeah. Oh. If she had to. I see that. I see that for sure. But anyways, that's the nostalgia trip we're talking about. Avatar, the last airbender. That's one of, uh, again, we've always got fun nostalgia things to, to reminisce about. But outside of that, uh, we are toward the last half, uh, last segment of this show. Uh, I'm going to play that weird funky beat one more time, and then we're going to come back and we're going to land on one of the best segments ever created on the planet, that being Marchuski's Brewski. We'll be back right what after Bruce this. We're back. We're doing the thing. Let's go. All right. We got tears. We got beers. Let's cheers to Marchuski's Brewski. Popping bottles all night. I can do this all day. All right. Let's talk about some beers. If, you, if you're if you a fan of the March and Mitch podcast featuring Celine, you know that you love fucking beer and we love to just drink beer and just down that stuff all summer long. It's uh, often hard to find, you know, the right beers to go with the temperatures. Yeah. As with Oregon, it is just cold and rainy nine <laughs> months out of the year. But we're approaching the high point of what is so far been a pretty eventful summer. We have lots of fun stuff to do within, you know, reasonable uh, capacity. And uh, I got a fun story about this one of the week. It's actually by a local uh, brewery. And this is from Pyramid. And the Marchuski's Brewski of the week is Alperst Imperial IPA. It's a dry hopped India pale ale uh, from Pyramid Brewing. The year that I moved to Oregon, I was familiar with, uh, you know, local store pickups. I, I live really close to the capital market, so I'm pretty yeah. spoiled. You know, ah, I could just, caps. just show up in there and it's like, holy hell, this is like the Walmart of just beer. Yeah. <laughs> just literally just wall to wall to wall to wall. Everything. Beer, 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 beer. I went to school just down the block from Caps. Hey, oh. <laughs> basically lived at Caps. Sweet. That's fucking awesome, dude. There you go. So, like, you know, there's lots of good pickups you get at, at a place like that. And, but, you know, when I didn't have the, you know, the energy or the wheels to get myself over there, you know, you just hop over to the convenience store. And, like, pretty much, you know, we've talked about every kind of beer on this podcast from something as chill as a freaking Milwaukee's best to something as nice as, you know, something you get from like Pelican in Pacific City or, you know, a fancier beer from Rogue, which mm-hmm. is like, Rogue is like, let's be real, Rogue is like the poster child of Oregon beer pretty much at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. They really do kind of have the monopoly on marketing as far as just having that face attached with the name when it comes to Oregon brews. But this beer to me is always going to be like a, the quintessential like convenience store IPA. This is like, <laughs> you got off work, you're a blue collar worker like me, and it's like, you know what sounds great after work? A fucking joint and like a nice tall IPA. Let's call it a day and get some rest. You know what I mean? And this thing is great because it's, it's clocking in at an eight and a half IBV mm-hmm. and it has an, a pretty high IBU at 80, but it's not, it, it doesn't feel like an 80. It feels more like a 55 or a 60. It's something you, yeah. it gives your mouth like a nice dryness, but it not, does. yeah, not so much that you're like, ah, good. My mouth is the Sahara desert. Literally. Yeah. Is. Yeah. It's very, it, it's almost got a citrusy, uh, re- reminder that, you know, it's a, uh, it's a refreshing beer. And it does have the hoppiness to back it up at the same time while having kind of that that taste that you kind of associate with summertime. And you get that good little buzz going. Uh, You know, if you're having that backyard barbecue, I don't normally offer or recommend food to go with different stuff on the show. Because if you're like me and my friend Rianne, you know, usually if we're in drink mode, we're in drink mode. We're not eating food with the drinks. We want to get the drinking going and maybe like way, 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 way later. Okay, let's get some food. <laughs> but I would recommend having this with just like, um, I mean, if, if 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 vegetarian ribs exist for our, our co-host <laughs> Celine, maybe some vegetarian barbecue sauce, hook it up. But otherwise, just just some some spare ribs or short ribs or like a nice a nice ribeye. I would recommend with this beer, uh, really tasty or any backyard barbecue few mm. uh, food. Um, it's got a yeah, two good, roll good summer beer. Yeah. 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 It's got a good, uh, two roll of pale barley. Uh, the hops go from everything from nugget to a Chinook hop. And it, it's pretty much always been a good, good little, you know, convenience store IPA. And I, I like that the value is not only from coming in at what is really, really affordable for like a 22 ounce tall neck beer, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a reputable brewery and it's, they're consistent and it's, it's really, really easy to find. 
It comes in a six pack of can or my personal favorite, the 22 ounce bottle, uh, <laughs> leave it in your freezer and then forget about it. And then be like, ah, oh, shit, now I gotta, I can't enjoy this. I gotta go get another one, spend more money at the, at the convenience <laughs> store. You know, I'll always associate this beer with, uh, you know, memories of arriving in Marion County and seeing how different everything was from just, you know, the rolling hills, all the green to, you know, the end of summer when the leaves begin to change colors and everything just looks different and scenic. I give the Pyramid Outburst Imperial IPA 4.653 summers out of 500. <laughs> kidding, kidding. I give it I give it four uh, AM beer runs out of five. I actually like this beer a lot. <laughs> I give it I give it four AM beer runs. That's if you live in Oregon, yes, that's seven AM is when they're allowed to start selling beer again. And if you've partied like I have in the past years, you've been up that long. Yes, yeah. unfortunately I'm aware of this fact. And if you live in the suburbs, yes, you live that close to a convenience store. <laughs> so, so walk on down. Please drink and drive. Don't don't drink. Don't. Please, ah! don't, don't. <laughs> Please drink responsibly and don't drive. Call an Uber or walk to the convenience store. Woo. I'm going to hell. Anyways, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us at the March and Mitch show featuring Celine. This has been Marchewski's Brewskies. Tune in next week as we poke Mitchell with sticks. Yes. <laughs> get him, get him. Go, 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 go. Cue the music. Have a good night, Pam. God damn it. And before we close out the entire show, we have one special shout out uh, to those of the, to those of Lux and to those of the, to those of us lucky enough to have father figures in our life. Uh, big shout out to what I would consider the only father figure I've ever had, uh, Dave McVeigh. Celine, you got a oh. shout out? Yeah, no, I just want to wish a, a happy Farters Day to to my my farter, uh, Joel Sanis, uh, Dad. I am so fucking honored to have been raised by you. You've been a really great father, and I'm so glad that you have the sense of humor to have raised me to say Farter's Day instead of Father's Day. <laughs> Happy belated Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day.